0: Peloton is gifting you their best offer of the season. Get up to $600 off Peloton Bike, Bike Plus, or Tread packages. Choose the package that is right for you with accessories ranging from cycling shoes to non-slip grip dumbbells and more. Whether you have 10 minutes to spare for a strength class or 30 minutes for a running or cycling class, there's a workout that works for you with music that is truly iconic. So don't miss out on Peloton's best offer of the season. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer runs December 6, 2022. Excludes bike, bike plus, and tread basic. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.
1: From the creators of Relevant Magazine, this is the Relevant Podcast.
2: Young love
3: It's the week of Friday, October 7, 2016, and it's The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's show is brought to you by Audible.com. Audible.com includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers. I know it's not new, uh, but right now I'm finally listening to uh, Bossy Pants by Tina Fey. Um, Oh, a classic. Holy cow, it's funny. (laughs) And yeah. it, what I love about it Is it works because It's Tina actually reading it And it's like yeah. Really
1: well produced With that kind of 30 rock music And it's it's fantastic Do you feel like You're listening to like Like a Broadway One woman show Or like a stand up Routine oh. the whole time Well not a
3: stand up routine Because actually It's moving And gets into yeah. Interesting stuff But yeah It's fantastic But the thing that's tough For me is like I'll, I'll be browsing Audible sometimes and 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 I'll get excited about a book and then I start it and the voice doesn't match at all yeah. what I thought it would be. <laughs> and uh, that's not so the they, case with Tina's content. So Tina. I was
1: going to say, it's, it's a good thing they didn't go with audiobook old British guy for ballsy pants. Yeah. I don't feel like that <laughs> it would it work. It
3: landed. <laughs> right now, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash relevant and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title for free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash relevant and get started today.
0: Now, Cameron, I don't know. Uh, Audible has a, an incredible selection, but my favorite audio books are... Uh, Audio adaptations of big coffee table books, where the the person just describes the full page photo to you. Do they have anything like that?
1: Listen, this 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 is a giant picture of a cat, and it appears he's wearing a scarf, which is comical because there's fake snow around, and this is uh, quite the picture here.
3: (laughs) It's quite the picture. And
1: then you hear the page actually turning. Yeah, Yeah. halfway in, he just gets to speculating. Now I wonder how they got that cat to keep glasses on his face when they pose this poker table scene. Uh,
3: Okay, like I said, I'm your host, Cameron. Here with me in our Orlando studio, just our producer, uh, Chandler Strang, my brother. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, that's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And all the way from Sydney, Australia, our old friend Adam Smith is joining us today. Hey, everybody. Uh, Joy and Eddie are on assignment. They're not yeah. joining us this week.
1: We have a we have a lean mean crew
3: today. A lean mean crew. It's like a
1: throwback to
3: 2007, the golden era.
1: But <laughs> what, what many refer to as the
3: golden era. I I, I missed the show last week because I was off the grid. Literally, I had no cell service, nothing. I was in Montana uh, for the for this annual trek that I do in the fall with a bunch of guys, and we go fly fishing and gun shooting and Did you catch anything? And motorcycle riding. Yeah, man, I caught. Uh, it's did the, you did you cook it? No, it's a catch and oh, release. Goddamn. It's the Bighorn oh. River, and it's like the best uh, trout fly fishing spot in the entire continent. Wait. And uh, you, you just you just cast, and
1: those things jumping your boat. Wow. Yeah. Well, let, let me ask you this: You said there was motorcycle riding yeah. and shooting. Were you able to combine them at any point? Dude, <laughs> no, this is no joke. Okay,
3: I, okay, this Mad, is no Mad joke. Situation. This is this happened last year and this year. There was a two hundred thousand acre ranch that okay. that the guy who takes us on the trip is friends with we yeah. get big old SUVs AR15s and drive around <laughs> and shoot them out of the SUV sounds safe that's insanity i burned my lip
1: because a hot <laughs> shell shot back ricocheted in the car and hit me in the face wow. let me can i ask something about the state of montana <laughs> please <laughs> is montana one of those states where essentially if you're on your property no laws exist. No laws exist. Like, like no. the laws of the state and the laws of the country and even international law yeah. only apply on, on public property. What happens on your ranch yeah. it, it is, is literally, literally police cannot come. Free State of Jones, that 200,000 acre
3: ranch, you just do what you want to do. And uh, we drove around in SUVs and just shot yeah. willy-nilly at stuff. So
0: and yet you still released the trout. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah, right. No, I didn't say we were killing stuff. I didn't say that's we were killing stuff, uh, nilly.
0: <laughs> it's like no, we killed them before we let them go. <laughs> <laughs> we catch them, we kill them, and then we put them back.
1: Yeah, we catch them, we do a little skeet shoot thing with them, and then we put them back into the river and send we're, them downstream. We're hoping to
0: poison the water supply downstream.
1: <laughs> that's that's
0: how lawless. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we
3: were. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, I, well, we also did skeet shooting. Okay, so if I've been, this is my third year going and uh, it is a wonderful week of just unplugging and refreshing and, and, and then you come back to reality and we were like in the middle of a magazine deadline and it was like shock yeah. and awe to my system. You go from complete Anarchy to I will a different say this, it was shocking
1: anarchy. all. It was shocking all for the staff, too, because Cameron was still in outlaw mode. He literally ran in <laughs> shooting uh, <laughs> AR 15s in the office. Yeah, just willy nilly. That's the thing. <laughs> Um, and, he, and, he, and he gave everyone who's dead a murdered fish.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I had never, three years ago, I had never shot a gun in my life. I had never been fly fishing. And, and so now this year is something I really look forward to because it's it's such a fun and different experience. And I am a, it turns out, I'm a really good shot. Like I posted a video of a skeet shooting and with shotguns and stuff. And I'm, I am I didn't know I had this natural
1: talent for, for uh, aiming things. Does it make you want to take it up recreationally when you're not in the state of Montana? Nope. I I, I mean, because what are you gonna do? Like walk into a building?
3: Yeah. is like, they do that not, here? Like they in have gun, gun ranges? Well,
1: I know gun ranges, but ski shooting is a little, little bit different. I think you're if you could find a air, ranch, yeah, you, yeah. Could,
3: you could do it. Yeah, true. I think it's just up to you.
1: Right. Okay. Well, Cameron, I have a solution because you said you you know you, you may want to uh, continue to hone your ski shooting skills, but you're not Montana. Right. Have you ever considered urban ski shooting? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that sounds like a great
1: idea. <laughs> urban skeet shooting. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Uh, if
3: I owned a 200,000 acre ranch in the no, middle no, no, of an I'm urban saying, place, Mikey. I I would definitely do it.
1: <laughs> but but I, what I'm doing is I'm solving the problem because to my knowledge, you don't own a 200,000 acre no, ranch. No, I don't.
3: I've been looking. I went on Zillow.com. I was so inspired by by Montana. They don't have many of those in Florida. Uh, yeah, but out. didn't
0: we decide a couple weeks ago that under the sea is essentially lawless? <laughs>
3: that's true. <laughs> That's true. But I also saw Mythbusters where they shot a gun into the water and it the goes bullet like disintegrates within a foot and a half. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so yeah. skeet shooting underwater isn't going to... Harpoons. Oh. yeah. Oh, I could take a oh, harpooning. See, we do it in Florida. See, this...
0: This man's got vision. The rest of the world wears bifocals.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's good to be back, is my point. Uh, Back in in civilization. And I am looking for any 200,000 acre ranches if if people know of some on the market, because we had a lot of fun uh, being lawless um, out there in Montana. Well, we have a great show in store for you today. Coming up later, we talk to actor David Oyelowo. He's joining us. Uh, he's in the new movie coming out, Queen of Cotway. Yeah. And after that, worship leaders Jonathan David and Melissa Helser join us. They have a new album out called Beautiful Surrender. They're from Bethel, and uh, we're really excited to uh, talk yeah. to
1: them. You know, you know, they put out a song a few years ago, No Longer Slaves, that uh, Beebs says it's one of his faves. Oh, wow. So they've arrived, guys. That's the goal in life for every worship leader is to get big with the beebs. Yeah. So okay, so catch me up. What I missed last week? You, so you didn't you didn't watch any TV. You Nothing. didn't watch any 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 sports anything that Nothing. was happening. Nothing. You were total So hypothetically, the apocalypse could have happened right. while you were on that ranch and you would not know until you 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 had come off. Well, the ranch.
3: one of the guys I found out the third day in, he had a Verizon hotspot, a okay. Wi-Fi. And for some reason, you know how the, the maps, they're like, reaches 98% of Americans? You know, that yeah. sort of thing, coverage? Uh, at and T. I I was in the 2%. <laughs> but Verizon, <laughs> for some reason, you're in the 98. And when you're in this Nowheresville, Montana. Hmm. So uh, once I found out this guy had a hotspot, I texted um, uh, to get leave emergency information in case something tragic was to happen back home, you know, so I could be reached. But no, yeah. I was completely cut off from
0: communication. See, Cameron, I, I have to say, I, I actually... I I actually feel uh some some empathy for you because uh with a, a a baby, you know, I feel like I've pretty well been living off the grid for about 4 months.
2: <laughs>
0: I've I've got no idea what's going on in the world. I haven't seen TV or, you know, current events in in a while. So, I've I've been on my own kind of 200,000 acre ranch in Montana, you know, in my mind. <laughs> in my mind.
1: Well, you guys did not miss a whole lot. I watched a lot of Preppers, uh, the TV show, um, which is pretty par for the
3: course, which is what Cameron was actually doing. Yeah, I I was living Preppers. You were watching Preppers.
1: Cameron, let me ask you this. When you were out, did you because I know you said you want to buy a 200 acre ranch. Let's say hypothetically you purchased one in Florida. Did you already have like a vision for what it would be? Oh, yeah. It would literally be... Okay. I mean, there has to be
3: water on it at some point. I mean, you got to have a lake of some sort, you know, if it's in Florida. Uh, So it would be full of water toys. It'd be full... I mean, you just like... There'd be (laughs) zones. There'd be like shooting zones, riding zones, like battle zones, fishing zones, sport zones. I mean...
0: And the moment you came on the ranch, you would sign a waiver releasing Cameron from all liability. (laughs) For your death and dismemberment. Yeah, for for
1: almost certain death and dismemberment. Yeah, impalement. Yeah, is, is there one zone that combines all zone? That's oh. that's their water toys, guns, ramps, everything. Well, the water toys yeah, would pop. That,
3: that's called the Thunderdome. <laughs> the Thunderdome, and it's like those big inflatable balls. That's like, and we just put all of the things inside the ball, and then push you down a hill, and so the guns and all the stuff is in there with you. Just have at it, buddy. <laughs> There's shooting. If you, off. if you come out of this,
0: you will have a story to tell. <laughs> if you come out
1: of but in all likelihood, you will not yeah. come out. There's also a cemetery on his ranch for all those who <laughs> <laughs> for all the trout and friends that have uh, come come and gone. The cemetery has a trout section and friends section. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, it's like Sean and Nikwas was on the show, you know, months ago talking about her dream of having uh, a, be- a bed and breakfast, you know, yeah. and. Uh, And now I I realize my dream is officially to have a 200,000
1: acre ranch in an urban area. That observes no laws. I I would go all the time. I mean, it's a dream because, like I said, the, you know, no one's checking up on you there. It, no. it, you can literally do whatever you want. You can construct anything. You can ride anything. You can shoot anything. It's the perfect scenario. Yeah. There's no such thing as an illegal firework, <laughs> which has been my main problem living <laughs> in a heavily suburban area. <laughs> if I'm on a 200,000-acre ramp. Uh,
3: well, I mean, honestly, the truth is, Cohen needs to grow up. A boy needs to grow up running around land. He needs to break his arm. He needs to like try to jump off something, and it was higher than he thought it was. You know, he needs to do that. You can't do that in a densely populated neighborhood. You know, right? So we gotta have right. something. That, it yeah. doesn't have to be two hundred thousand acres. but We gotta have some land. We gotta figure this out. I've always wanted to go on the ultimate hunt too. Oh wait, what is the <laughs> ultimate hunt? Are you talking?
0: the most
1: dangerous game, man. I'm talking the most dangerous game. If he makes it out alive, he gets to keep the ranch. If he doesn't, <laughs> well, we have a cemetery on property. Yeah, but the stakes are high and that's what makes this fun.
3: Oh, that was the other part of it. We had some of the most incredible stakes one night from it was a cow that was on the ranch. So it oh, was wow. like, I mean, we didn't kill it. Yeah, you know, but uh, can I
1: ask you a question about that? Was it like a lobster tank situation? Did they, did they march you over? <laughs> To like a pen and be like, all right, pick him. Pick one.
0: I'm I'm gonna go with the one that looks like it's enjoying life the most.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We don't need that
3: kind around here.
1: This one uh, seems like it's having a really good day. Yeah. We choose to.
3: no, no. We we need morose cows here. Yeah, <laughs> we don't want them, We don't want any of them get any ideas. Take the happy one. All right. Anyway, it's good to be back. Um, uh, I like I said, I walked right into a magazine deadline. Our November issue of Relevant is going to the printer, and the cover story. It's. I'm really excited about it. I can't wait can
1: for you, you guys can to hear Can you give any it. details, or should, should we keep that close to the chest for another week or two? Well, I
3: can say this. Uh, uh, the, the whole staff saw a screening of uh, the upcoming highly buzzed-about movie, Hacksaw Ridge. It's mm-hmm. the World War II Ooh. epic that Mel Gibson directed. Andrew Garfield stars in it. Um, and it's uh, about uh, a soldier in, the, in World War II who was a pacifist. And he was in the middle of battle, and he wouldn't carry a gun. And what he did was he saved the lives of countless soldiers and stuff. And it was because of his faith and his conviction. And uh, it's a violent movie because it's a war movie, and it has a ton of... Uh, compelling angles to it. The whole staff saw it last night. Well, that's also our cover story in November. Is we sat down with the controversial director Mel Gibson and Andrew oh. Garfield to talk about this project. It's it's it was it's really good. It's really, both the movie and the article. The, so. the
1: film when it premiered at the Venice Film Festival, which is a an infamously contentious. Uh, film festival you know there are people walk out of movies there yeah um it got a 10 minute standing ovation at the venice film festival which is yeah (laughs)
3: much deserved it's uh we're very excited about about this uh this next issue all right well moving the show along it's time for our look back at culture and entertainment it's time for
2: in case you missed it
3: And you know what? I missed a lot of these, so this is going to be fun. Oh, cool. Uh, In case you missed it, uh, this week, Lecrae teamed up with Leon Bridges on a song for the movie Birth of a Nation. The movie soundtrack features new music from artists like Nas and Pusha T, Gucci Mane, Lil Wayne. Uh, The song is called On My Own, and it's phenomenal. Here is a clip.
4: I've been pushing hard. I've been praying harder, only heaven can help me They took my earthly father, martyr me, promised me death and walked me into my grave I'd rather die a free man than live on earth a slave I'm fighting for people they put in chains They stripped our heritage, they took our names, put our women to shame Whipped us and beat us, mislead us, but they can't take our passion Take my body, but my soul won't fit inside your casket
5: you know what I said
3: it's a
1: little grittier than uh what you normally hear from leon and yeah frankly lecrae uh, it's it's hmm. crazy to see i mean and good for him i mean he you know certainly uh got the chops for it, but in the same company as all of the other artists on that record to see lecrae right there amongst them yeah it's very cool. Hey, in case you missed it, this week, uh, Carl Lentz,
3: our friend, pastor of Hillsong, New York, uh, po- went to Facebook to talk about Black Lives Matter and uh, posted, a, <laughs> posted a post that's been getting a lot of attention yeah. saying that at this church, we are not saying all lives matter. Um, now, I'm, I, you know Jesse wrote this up for me. I've been following the, this story along in the last few days, um, but I have a personal involvement in this. Hmm. So at the Hillsong movie premiere in LA a few weeks ago, um, I was there and uh, there was like an after party and my date to the after party was propaganda, the rapper propaganda, <laughs> my friend. He's, he was, he, he's the only person I knew. He was your so, plus one. Well, no, he had his own invite. We just, you know, we just met up. You yeah, know? okay. <laughs> And uh, so anyway, we go to that party and me and Prop are hanging out and uh, introduced him to Carl and we got talking and uh, that week at Hillsong, New York, they had had a, um, you know, I, I, the church was dealing with, it was the middle of the Charlotte riots and a, a lot was going on in our country and uh, they had had like a panel at their midweek service and for some reason we got talking about it and Prop and Carl and I sat there in the corner of this you know, room uh, for probably an hour talking about this issue. Right. And prop who is an an outspoken you know, social justice leader, especially as it comes to race in the church. What, I mean, just to be a fly on the wall, watching Carl and prop talk about this, this issue that the church needs to take a leadership role on. I think this is my personal opinion. I think prop uh, kind of put fan the flame in Carl. Carl was already like taking a stand, but like, like got emboldened I think you know that this is something that like God's calling him to do that yeah. calling his church to to take lead on. Stick That's their neck really out. cool. Yeah. And so That's then, Carl, so cool just to witness a moment like that. Oh man, it was yeah. so powerful. I mean, I, I, I tweeted a prop the next day, like around 2 PM from the airport. just like, man, I'm still thinking about that conversation last night. It was crazy.
1: The crazy thing is how much is this, this, his Carl's statement about, you know, proclaiming black lives matter and, and rejecting the, the term all lives matter has connected with people. When we, we shared it on the site and it's been, uh, you know, like, 24,000 times has been shared on Facebook, you you know, just from a a write-up about it. And Carl even said, talked about how polarizing it is, but what a bold stand it is. He he posted a couple days later when he preached the sermon on it, someone at one of their campuses in the middle of the sermon pulled the fire alarm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it happened. So
3: here's what the post said. uh, At this church, all caps, we are not saying all lives matter right now. Because this is a logical assumption that most reasonable people agree with. All lives are not at risk right now. We are saying black lives matter. Because right now, black lives apparently are worth less on our streets. It's our Mm -hmm. fight, not their fight. The church has become one of the most influential young congregations in the country, so... You know, this is an important thing that he's 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 very visible in this, and it's important yeah. that he's taking the stand. Last week, uh, Carl posted a, a black and white photo of the church's leadership team on Instagram, and here's what he said under it: "What's ironic about using a black and white filter on a photo is that you can't really tell who's black and who's white." Ironic. Last night, we had a meeting with some faithful leaders of our church who are mostly black to begin what will be an ongoing discussion on progressive diversity. We talked about things that were very frustrating, sad, uncomfortable, and vulnerable. Things like how it feels to be black in America right now. I also asked how it feels to be black in a faithful part of Hillsong, New York. All I can say is I'm glad to be part of a church and community that is a work in progress and discontented with status culture quo. I would encourage anybody who cares about people to find somehow find a way to hear voices of those who don't share your journey. It'll impact you. Don't see this photo and think about color. I see this photo and think about family. So Mm. I'm a, I'm excited to see uh, what Carl and Hillsong New York are doing. It's an important it, role they're playing right now,
1: and and I'm so you know it's so cool to see someone like Carl who's respected across the spectrum, and a lot of people look to him not just for not just because they respect him because he's he's a great uh, preacher, but because he's also for his pretty much his entire career been on the forefront of trends in the church and has helped set the direction for, uh, you know, the American church and even the global church with the affiliation with Hillsong and to be leading in this conversation saying, you know, boldly, let's take a stand here. Good for him. And he's going to, yeah. to, to really help enact some change in, you know, maybe some churches that aren't engaging in these types of conversations.
3: Yeah, absolutely in case you missed it, the presidential debate that happened last week, so not the one coming up on Sunday, obviously, but the one, the, the first one that happened, it's already been auto-tuned by the Gregory Brothers and it is glorious. The Gregory <laughs> Brothers teamed with Blondie to songify the debate and the results are a thousand times more watchable than the actual debate. Here is a clip. I spoke to Sean
5: Hannity. Everybody refuses to call Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity. Nobody calls Sean Hannity. I said the war's a stupid thing. If somebody would call Sean Hannity. Okay.
2: Oh, why should we vote for you?
5: Japan, we don't pay. What magical things will you do? We should raise a minimum wage. I know how to win, she does not. We should build an economy, not for those at the top. I think about this a lot.
2: Oh, why should we vote for you?
1: And <laughs> when I was watching like I was after they after that songify version came out I was only like the, the the Gregory brothers had to be so feverishly taking notes at some of the absurd things they that were was being said for that song like the, the, there was there has never been a debate that teed up to be songified within hours yeah. uh, I, can we all just take a moment
3: and acknowledge and appreciate uh, the Alec Baldwin uh, Donald Trump impersonation right. from SNL this past week. That was oh yeah that was spot on that was one of those like Tina Fey's uh, Sarah Palin I mean it's going to be remembered yeah. it was unbelievable once again I've I've seen nothing oh what? find the clip Adam yeah. it is, I know I know no just that one opening segment that's all you need the five minutes it's so stunning it's so good
0: the issue is uh, a lot of times when I find that stuff. It starts a loading and that says, "This is not available in your country." Oh
1: no, really? Oh, yeah. But well, welcome to Trump's America. <laughs> <laughs> we none of us are going to be able to see it soon. Just building walls.
3: Adam lives on a the <laughs> metaphorical two hundred thousand acre lawless ranch called Australia. <laughs> it is it is kind of like that.
1: <laughs> he, he Trump built a firewall in Australia and made Australians pay for it. It is insane. <laughs> I don't know what he
3: did. That firewall was nineteen ninety nine at Comp USA.
1: I I'll tell you, he sent the bill right to the Australian president. The fire, the firewall only blocks Alec Baldwin Donald Trump impressions. It's it's impressive. It's a beautiful wall. It's a beautiful wall. So many jobs. He's so good, so good at building
0: things.
3: Uh, in case you missed it, uh, this news somehow reached me. Maybe I was on a plane or something. In case you missed it, Tim Tebow, uh, you know, is is officially trying to be a baseball player. So he joined the Mets organization, and he was. <laughs> At a minor league, you know, uh, camp, a low level thing, yeah. uh, and they had a game. It was his first game as a professional baseball player. Now, mind you, it was a very low level minor league game. His instructional league, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he, his very first at bat, and on his very first pitch he hit a home run because he's wow. Tim Tebow and that's how you do. Then after that, he went one, one for six in the game. Oh my but, gosh. Know, I mean, but still. Yeah,
0: I was going to say, can, first can, that That's Tim Tebow though. That's Tim Tebow. Flashes of greatness followed by periods of st- stunning mediocrity can we please all all let go of the the fantasy that he is good enough to do anything at the professional level
3: well he got uh he did well enough in this instructional league to get pulled up to the arizona uh league yeah. this week and it's the same league that michael jordan played in when he attempted to <laughs> play baseball. It
0: was his 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 auspicious baseball career yeah
1: his game. Well, career. It's not that Tebow time doesn't exist. Tebow time's a real thing. It's just very, very (laughs) short-lived. I mean, in in, in terms of his baseball career, it literally lasted one pitch. (laughs) In case you missed it, uh,
3: this week President Obama told Colin Kaepernick to, quote, listen to the pain. His protest may be causing someone who's lost family in combat. He held a town hall meeting with members of the U.S. military and was asked about uh, the national anthem protest that Kaepernick's doing. Kaepernick's doing. Um, the 49ers qu- quarterback has sparked demonstrations among athletes around the country who are either kneeling or holding up a fist during uh, the national anthem before the games to protest police brutality and racial injustice in this country. While the president emphasized that uh, Kaepernick and others have every right to continue to demonstrate and create conversations about racial equality, he also said that the views of American service members should be considered a nuanced response to an increasingly polarizing situation. Here's a clip.
6: You know, I think that it's also important for us to recognize that um, sometimes out of these controversies, We started getting into a conversation, and I want everybody to listen to each other. So I want Mr. Kaepernick and others who are on a knee, I want them to listen to the pain that that may cause somebody who, for example, had a spouse or a child who was killed in combat, and why it it hurts them to see somebody not standing. Um, But I also want people to think about the pain that uh, he may be expressing about somebody who's lost a loved one that they think uh, was unfairly shot. Powerful. The
1: the, the thing is about uh, President Obama is like even if you disagree with uh, his politics, which you know we, we don't have to get into. I feel like in terms of being able to articulate nuanced, complex situations in a way that touches on all sides of the spectrum and is extremely thoughtful. He He's really good at that. In this town, military town hall, they were asking him some tough questions, and I felt like the way he handled this one uh, was really exceptional. Jesse, I hear what
3: you're saying, but to me, all presidents matter. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> hey, in sad. case you missed it, in, sad in exclamation point. It, uh,
3: Martin Scorsese is coming I out. Respond. <laughs> uh, Martin Scorsese is coming out with a
1: missionary film that <laughs> not is not in this church, Cameron. <laughs>
3: Oh jeez! Right now, not all presidents matter. What President Obama was saying matters, Jesse.
1: No, I'm uh. just saying. I'm, I'm just saying. Good, he's, he's. I in all these crazy debates, and everything. It's nice to hear someone articulate in a way that's calm and and reasonable. You know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. See, that strikes me as something presidents ought to be able to do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like it would be impossible to auto tune that. You know what I mean? Unless. Yeah. Like a, a soft bed of calming music behind
3: it. In case you missed it, it was announced this week, Martin Scorsese is uh, finally releasing the missionary film that he's been working on for 25 years. Um, it's uh, The film is called Silence, and it's an adaptation of the controversial Christian novel, um, and it's going to hit theaters uh, before the end of the year. He's been trying to make the film for 25 years. It's taken two decades to secure the rights for the novel and for production to begin, Uh, The film is the longest of Scorsese's storied career and has uh, long been a passion project for the filmmaker because he once wanted to be a Catholic priest. The movie stars Andrew Garfield and Liam Neeson as two Jesuit missionaries to 17th century Japan and deals with themes including uh, religious persecution, martyrdom, faith, uh, and suffering. Uh, Silence hits theaters on December 23rd, making it eligible for the Oscars, and it's already getting buzzed that it's a Best Picture favorite. So, uh, really interesting. Really interesting. Yeah. So, Andrew Garfield is uh, playing a Christian uh, or Seventh-day Adventist uh, World War II soldier dealing with issues of conviction and and morality and faith. And then he's also playing this missionary uh, uh, dealing with it. Hmm. Maybe we should put him on the cover of a magazine
1: and ask him about those things. I wish someone had asked him what it's like. How did he learn the Jesuit way? And if he hung out with a Jesuit for months and if it changed his mind about faith, I would be interested in reading that conversation (laughs) if it was featured on the cover But what
3: magazine currently on the market would even think to ask about things like like that, Jesse. This isn't Entertainment Weekly's type of type of topic. And all the Christian magazines don't pay attention to the movies. There's no magazine that
1: would cover something like this. If there was hmm. only a magazine that would talk to a young Hollywood actor doing two roles about faith for two of the most controversial filmmakers that both might be uh, uh, eligible Jesse, for best picture. Jesse, you're talking picture. crazy.
3: You're talking crazy. No magazine out there really covers the intersection of faith and culture. Uh, you know, so I I don't know where you could ever read this. One
0: One caveat, though for people getting really excited about this issue, and you should be excited. You should be really excited. But uh, because Cameron was in Montana and wasn't able to oversee a lot of the production, you may have a bit of trouble finding on newsstands because uh, instead of Andrew Garfield on the cover, uh, the designer accidentally put a picture of U.S. President James A. Garfield. So... <laughs>
3: You might have a bit of trouble finding it. It was bizarre because it was like, you know, the email that I approved said, yes, yeah, definitely put Garfield on the cover. And, And then I come back, it's the president Garfield. And then I flip to the cover story. And it's all about lasagna and hating Mondays. And I just like, I, I it's the weirdest
0: conversation with, uh, this is what this happens doctor. when you go to Montana. It's, it, it things get lawless in that office, Karen. Yeah.
3: That's why I had to come back shooting AR 15s, you know, willy nilly as I came Throwing, throwing trash. I will say this
1: I was paranoid the whole time that we wouldn't get up with you in time for this to go to the printer. So I actually, I, a lot of the staff doesn't even know this, but I arranged the photo shoot and everything. Uh, I actually wrote a backup cover. Story. Oh yeah. Just. Case. What? What was it about? It's all the comedian Gallagher and his story career <laughs> of smashing that <laughs> one. <melons. laughs> it's called the Smashing Gallagher. That's smashing the cover Gallagher. one. <laughs> the Smashing Gallagher. It should have just been it, called it, it,
3: Smashing the Gallagher Story.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it was 40 years, uh, dozens of sold-out nightclubs, thousands and thousands of smash watermelons, the story you haven't heard. It's, I mean, it's it's also 15,000 words. This
0: has been Jesse's passion project for years and years. He's been
1: trying to get it published for 25 years, but there's no magazine <laughs> trying, trying that keep, would publish that story. Yeah.
0: Uh, and,
2: yeah.
3: And lastly, in case you missed it, uh, this week Chance the Rapper performed a special version of his gospel-inspired song, Blessings, on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon. He had a lot of special guests on stage with him performing this uh, was not only a choir, but Anthony Hamilton, Ty Dolla Sign, Rory, and uh, Dram. Uh, it, it, there was a... Uh, I guess they called it the reprise version of the single. It was different from the version of Blessings he performed on the show back in May. Uh, so even though the two versions are different musically and lyrically, the message stayed the same. The refrain of this version featured Chance and his background singers leading the choir in the chorus. Are you ready for your blessings? Are you ready for your miracle? Which comes That comes from a Fred Hammond song. Did you know that? It's a sample. Yeah, we would sing it at ORU's chapel service. Great song. Yeah. 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 It would really rev the crowd up.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Which was the goal—to rev 'em up? (laughs) All right, here's a clip
3: of the performance.
1: what's crazy is was I mean, basically leading worship on the tonight show when they turn the camera around
3: uh if you watch the clip uh, which we posted it's uh they turn the camera around from the normal angle cuz the choir is in the audience and so like you have and then like all the performers turned around too with their back to the audience and it's like the entire audience was in the choir and everybody's swaying and clapping and singing along you know it's like it was it was crazy it was yeah on, i mean it awesome? was just like a church service yeah there you go. It was like an ORU chapel service where we sing Fred Hammond songs. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Hip hop is having a moment right now because uh, it, it, the, the, the thing is, it's not uncommon. Like, it's the same thing that happened when uh, Kanye performed Ultralight Beams on uh, Saturday Night Live. I don't know. What was it? Like six months ago. And they had Kirk Franklin out there in a gospel choir, basically singing gospel verses, uh, 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 choruses after the song, after the meat of the song had concluded what's cool is like all these guys grew up
3: on Fred Hammond and a lot of these gospel albums that I grew up on too. Yeah. And so like they're sampling the Winans and they're sampling Fred Hammond and they're sampling and it's like yeah. Donnie Hathaway and all these guys. And it's like, oh man like i know these songs it's great yeah i'm loving well it's right like now. that
1: it's like that pharrell interview we played uh yeah. a, a few clips from a few weeks ago where he's saying look man this is what we played in my house this is what got me into music i would get to church early and jam with the the worship group because this is the kind of music we're exposed to and the music that we loved yep
3: absolutely and it's moving too it's great <laughs> yeah all right well that'll do it for in case
2: you missed
3: it okay stay tuned up next slices to Empire of the Sun. The song is high and low, um, which is how you feel uh, after you listen to it. At the beginning of the podcast, you heard Mr. Little Jeans, one of my favorite band artist names, uh, with stitches. Pretty sure
0: that's named after a a Wes Anderson character, isn't it?
3: (gasps) Mr. Little Jeans is? Yeah, it's from from one of his first ones, uh, Bottle Rocket.
0: Was it Bottle Rocket? Yeah.
3: Yeah, you're right. But ironically, Hmm. it's a female. So... She, she was about that, just late one night. You know what else I learned? You know the artist Aluna George. Yeah, uh, it's not it's not a late, it's not a girl named Aluna George. No, it's, it's Aluna two, and two people named Aluna and George. Yeah, uh, George is the producer. But they he makes but, the they, beats and but stuff. they took the space away and made yeah. it one word. Yeah. Ah, I was I, so confused. You got to stand
1: out, you know. You know yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I, I, I've said it numerous times, but it's the Hall and Oates problem, right? <laughs> Because I had a friend, I, I I've said this thousands of times on this podcast, but this is why you very clear with your 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 band name because he thought it was a sentence, hauling oats, which is a super lame band name. <laughs> it, 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 even hey, Greg, oats,
3: Greg, what you doing? What you doing over there, Greg? I'm just hauling oats. I'm, I'm hauling
0: I'm hauling oats in my REO speed wagon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's haul and oats. Yeah. Two yeah. people, not yeah. a burn. So if you want to if you wanted to have a Hall and Oats cover band, it would be pretty great to call it Hall and Notes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> See, from Dar-
0: from Daryl Hall's perspective, that's what he was doing through their entire career is he was hauling oats. <laughs> oh, just carrying just carrying oh, John Oates.
1: Oh, that's true. Hey now, not- Someone called a burn unit. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Adam, come on now. Uh,
3: You know, uh, Hall, he... uh, I saw Oates in the mall once, by the way. Yeah, the the singer. (laughs) Working at the Orange Julius. (laughs) No, he was... I was going up the escalator and he was going down the escalator. And I was like, hey, that's Oates. It was the same Atlanta (laughs) mall visit. It was their high-end mall, Linux mall. It was the same visit that I saw uh, John Tesh. I saw Oates and I got snubbed by Toby Mac. All in the same mall visit.
1: That's a that's oh, a, a lot that's of that's a lot yeah. of star power. I will say this. I, I this is why I don't think he need, I think he needs to change his name because I was confused once again when you said I saw oats at the mall one time. I was thinking, man, that mall's really gone downhill. If they have an oat store, <laughs> it's <laughs> next to the sword store. Yeah, right next to the one that sells uh, uh, swords and the vape shop. Yeah, <laughs> and
3: and that one where the lady like is trying. She cashed in her life savings to open up her knickknack shop, but she left all the interior decorations from the store that went out of business before her, and she just like
1: set up holding <laughs> tables and stuff and she's it really all- trying to make it. Yeah. When all the signs outside of the mall stores are are clearly homemade, you know that the mall has... Uh,
3: <laughs> None are illuminated. Not one is illuminated. You're right.
1: Yeah, and most of them behind the counter sell some type of, of weapon. Most of the, mar- of the martial arts variety. It doesn't matter what the store... Like the knick-knack shop is. They got ninja stars behind the glass if you want to see them. I mean, it is a knick-knack shop. <laughs> uh,
3: oh, it's at the mall. Yeah, there you go. Oh, no, it's uh, at the mall. That's what we got there. Okay, it's time for for slices uh what do you have jesse
1: well in lieu of of slices this week i was going to queue up some of uh i was going to give a teaser like they do on this american life of a new (laughs) podcast i'm working on oh yeah what's uh, that called the gallagher hour um (laughs) (laughs) supported I have recorded about 700 hours of interviews with Gallagher for my upcoming cover story. Uh, a lot of it's insane the, political the, rants, but uh, I thought we'd go ahead and queue up the first three hours.
0: The, the, the thing is, Jesse, you, you wrote 700 hours. You called it the Gallagher Hour. And yet, the Gallagher hour is still fifty-nine minutes longer than anyone has ever wanted to hear a Gallagher.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know the irony. You know the big takeaway, <laughs> guys. He's allergic to watermelon. <laughs> no
2: so this, this is like
3: to him, this is a death-defying act that he does every yeah, night. That's why it's like so thrilling. David Blaine is, is, or, is, or 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 uh, Nick Walinda Gallagher
1: is staving off impending death every night. Should one watermelon seed land in his mouth accidentally. Yeah. I mean, it would be all over. There's no there's no EpiPen that could save him. It's That's why uh, the I was show so say, thrilling. That's why,
0: that's why he was testifying in front of Congress about the EpiPen price rise. I I had wondered about that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was the star witness, the Gallier. So, uh, but, you know, actually, I'm going to save that. I'll save that for next week. I'll do a real slice. How about that? <laughs> okay, this sounds good. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Gallagher hour, hour will have to wait. So this is one of my favorite things that I saw on the internet this week. There was a huge archaeological discovery made in Israel this past week that some scholars uh, say that actually proves a somewhat obscure reference in the Old Testament. Did you guys hear about this archaeological d- discovery yeah. that a lot of Christians and Bible scholars are saying, look, this this yet again proves something in the Bible. Did you guys hear about this?
0: I, I did. I did. Yeah.
1: This is this is why this is uh, you know if you're becoming an archaeologist and you 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 know you grew up on like Indiana Jones and these thrilling archaeological adventures this is the kind of finding that you dreamed about as a child they uh, archaeologists were looking in, in in an ancient city and they, and they were looking inside what was like the 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 big walls of an old city, right where they had multiple chambers inside the wall. So what they found is a 2,700 year old toilet. And there's no question; they didn't need to call in like a forensic archaeologist to be like, "Hey, what do we find here? What what is this strange thing?" It's clear; it looks like if you were to imagine, if you were to take a giant rock right now and uh-huh. carve a toilet out of it, uh-huh. that's basically what they found. Uh, <laughs> why this toilet is so significant is because they believe it dates back to King Hezekiah when he had taken overrule in Israel, he, he, he made a rule that any like idols, stuff to, to Baal or any cultish gods had to be destroyed and desecrated because they had creeped into all these different places. Uh, and so there's actually a, a passage in 2 Kings 10 that said Israelite forces went into a place, demolished the sacred stone of Baal, tore down the temple of Baal, and people have used it for a latrine to this day. Now, what's interesting about this toilet is they actually found around it smashed up idols. So they think this is uh, one of those places where Hezekiah went in, destroyed all the idols, and to further desecrate it, it installed a gigantic toilet right in the middle of the room. See, wow.
0: I I, I I feel like, though, that that's not a great strategy because, like, okay, you know, if if you're going to the bathroom and, you know, you and I, we might— uh, like read a magazine or be on our phones or something like that. But if you're in ancient times right. and you're sitting there in the middle of this former temple and you you don't have any reading material, you'd probably just be like, ah, I "Might just worship Baal a bit, <laughs> kill, some, kill, kill some time. Got these smashed up idols around here. Might just I mean, I can pieces, piece a couple some of these together. together yeah. Worship Baal."
1: Yeah, so it, it's it's like I said, it's one of those crazy archaeological discoveries that really set the uh, archaeological world on fire. Uh, the The Times of Israel, who 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 you know was there on the scene, they took some pictures. Their headline was my favorite: "Iron Age Toilet is Evidence Judean King Dumped on the Gods." <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> <laughs> they're not mincing words of how how significant this is. I just want to be the archeo- the archaeologist who like this is their crowning moment. That, you know, when they look back, this is the guy that what his career all came down to. He's the, the one who found Hezekiah's toilet.
0: <laughs> wouldn't you, would, you'd be so tempted to use it, wouldn't you? <laughs> just one time.
1: <laughs> you
0: you got to take it for a test drive just to see. I mean, what kind of archaeologist are you if you but, don't at least, like, they, just, just see what it would have been like for them.
1: So, so you're picturing it, it's, it, they're at the dig site, they, you know, it's this big victory, they're popping champagne, and, and behind the curtain, you know, protected, they have the toilet, and they bring in the scholars, they're like, hey, come see, this is the toilet we just found. Oh, come on, seriously, who used it? Who used Hezekiah's toilet? It was an emergency!
0: I like to think they're gathered around popping champagne, and then one of the guys just grabs a newspaper, folds it up under his <laughs> arm, and says, gentlemen? <laughs> (laughs) Just, just really, like, just brazenly.
1: (laughs) I mean, like you said, Adam, you can't blame him. I mean, you're never gonna, you are literally never gonna have that chance again in your life. You're one of the few people who who can ever say they did that.
0: All right, uh, what do you have, Adam? Okay, so mine's not so much a a news item. It's something I saw, right, and it reminded me of you, Cameron. Uh, It was a little video advertising a product. Okay. And this product combines two things that you love. It is an amphibious motorcycle mm. that becomes a jet ski when you ride it into the water. Right. Mm. And so I thought this is perfect for you, Cameron, because if you ever if you ever move to the Caribbean and you start your jet ski business, I just like to think of you, you get up in the morning, go yeah. work, you get on your motorcycle, yeah. you ride it straight into the water and boom, you're at work. And then end of the day. You're like, well, you know, time to round up the old jet skis and head home. You just hop on, drive up the beach, and you're on your way. Man. It,
1: it makes me curious of why all vehicles aren't also amphibious. Like, why can't I? De- why isn't every truck also a duck boat? Yeah, I mean,
3: if you look at like when 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 the southern towns get flooded from the rains, you see these cars submerged. If uh, this would solve all of that property loss,
0: I know. Yeah. Well, see, this that's the thing is, I actually like to, you know you like to think that that's how something like this came about that you know necessity is the mother of invention and all that some guys as he lost control of his motorcycle and was careening off the end of a pier, just thought, you know, it would come in really handy right now.
3: So, how much does this amphibious uh, motorcycle work, uh, cost? Do you know? Look, I I intentionally didn't
0: find anything out about it because I wanted to maintain the illusion that it was invented by accident.
3: So, so okay. That's that's a good point. So, um,
1: that... I, bring, I have a... I, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I have a question about the engineering of this thing. Yeah. Is it, does it have some like inflatable rim or does it have like pontoons or something?
0: It it appears that like the kind of the body of the motorcycle is, uh, I guess, distended a bit and buoyant. So it's, <laughs> it's really kind of a, a it's jet ski shaped.
3: It's, yeah. You don't want to be the, go, but see, you don't want to be riding that down the street. Because, I mean, that's, you're not going to look very cool.
0: cool. No, that's that's I was going
3: to say, you might look too cool.
0: Yeah, it's, it's not exactly, you're not exactly like, you know, hiding anything, are you? Like, it's not going to be some brilliant James Bond transformation that, you know, no one's expecting it. People will just be like, that guy's clearly riding a jet ski down the street as a motorcycle. Because <laughs> I'm picturing like a canoe,
1: like basically someone put a canoe on top of a motorcycle and it's starting to sound pretty lame. <laughs> Cameron, you posted a couple of weeks ago a video on Facebook, and I believe I was tagged in it, of a vehicle that is, it, it was like a three-wheeled vehicle with a giant fan. Yeah. That like, an guy, air, like
3: an airboat sort of thing. Yeah,
1: so he turned he, he fired it up and within seconds, he is hundreds of feet over the surface of the water, flying. So, so it was like a, it was a personal watercraft that that
3: was propelled by this fan and had kind of a um, a winged uh, glider type thing yeah. attached to it, and it and it went airborne. So you could like ride on the water and then you could just go airborne with it. It was amazing. But that
0: oh. doesn't that beg the question though, to Jesse's point of why aren't our, all vehicles amphibious? Why don't they all also fly? Yeah, and then you're just prepared for any contingency.
3: Yeah, I think that's the future. If the jets us, Jetsons taught us anything, you, everything looks like a boat. It can fly up in the sky. Yeah. You know,
1: that's the future. If the technology is there, why don't we have this? That's what I want to know.
3: My thought is, when I saw that amphibious you know, flying boat thing, my thought is, you know, I'm looking at it. I'm breaking it down. I'm going, you buy a hanger, you buy you you buy a glider, you buy a this, and you could, you could probably bolt this thing together. You can make your own. You know, like, it probably is under $20,000 of parts, you know? And I'm thinking probably this amphibious, you know, jet ski motorcycles brought $20,000. It gets me thinking, if I was to, like, come into a settlement or an inheritance and had a free 20 grand, what would be the thing that you guys would want to To have that, like you would never purchase for yourself with your real budgeted you yeah. know, income. But if you just yeah. fell backwards into about twenty thousand extra dollars, and your spouse said you could spend it on whatever you
1: wanted, what would you? What would you do? It, it would definitely oh, be an insane vehicle like this, <laughs> and I would want something that's very dangerous too. Yeah, because I feel like. I feel like the higher <laughs> here's how I calculate how and, and, and just think about this for a second the the more dangerous something is the likelihood of it, it being more valuable yeah, nothing super valuable isn't dangerous, like a cool motorcycle, a, uh, uh, you know, a cool blowtorch thing. I want an element of danger. That's what I'm paying for here. I'm paying for the thrills and the transportation. <laughs> okay. There you go.
3: I, I've uh, for I, I, you know, don't have any imminent plans of this, but the thing, my, my thing of like, man, one day is a DeLorean, like an oh, actual so, operational I DeLorean. Mean- you can get them for like around thirty thousand dollars. I mean, hmm. they're like totally, like from it's Delorean. Yeah. yeah, like totally, it, like working and you know,
0: retro. And,
1: and it's you know, you know, those things are stainless steel. Yeah, they, they weigh a ton and are incredibly. It, apical, yeah, like.
0: they're not. They are not going to be amphibious. So
3: just don't <laughs> don't try.
1: I right, but they look like they could be. They kind of look like a battleship.
3: So I mean, if you get it going fast enough, if you maybe <laughs> if you get
0: could you skip it. Could you skip it across the surface of the water? Well, have you seen
3: those infomercials for the flex seal spray paint rubber stuff? Where yeah. it's like, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like flip the DeLorean over, spray paint the entire bottom with the flex seal thing. And then you just go skim right
1: across the, the water. It, it floats. Yeah, totally. Weird. It's waterproof. I don't see why. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think the the first of all, the logic is flawless. Yeah. <laughs> second, second of all is see, this is this is the bigger question that DeLoreans in general bring up to me is why don't all cars have those sweet going doors? Yeah, like that's the uh, most identifiable and the coolest thing about a DeLorean is the vertically open goal wing doors. Why didn't that ever catch on? Well, I like, think who decided, we're not doing goal can't wings anyway. Yeah, I was gonna say probably because you're gonna ding the car
3: next to you every time you go to
1: Target. It's look, the parking lot engineers can adapt if we all had goal wings, okay? <laughs> 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 or look, I'll park in the back of the parking lot if I get to ha- open sweet goal wings. <laughs> That's true. It's like
0: small parking lot can now only fit five cars.
3: <laughs> Adam, what would you do with your $20,000? Oh man. Uh,
0: I feel uh, like I'd, I feel like I would want to have some sort of body altering surgery, like have oh something gosh. surgically attached oh, no. to oh, wow. myself. Oh no. <laughs> like experimental? Yeah, no, just, yeah. Like experimental, you know, like body hacking, you oh, know, wow. I don't know what I'd, I'd yeah. probably just take bids, just say, <laughs> yeah, like you like know, if you something, something? Oh got something, if
3: okay.
0: you have something you feel like you could attach to me, you know, it's going to. That's going to up my resale value. Go go nuts. Here's, here's 20 grand. Surprise me.
1: <laughs> You'll be a great icebreaker. I don't know how much they're charging for this thing. But if you get your hands on Hezekiah's toilet. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, the, the guest bathroom's right down the hall. Let me know. Uh, I just installed the new uh, fixture and toilet in there. Let me know what you think. You know, like that would be a cool. I, like maybe some precious thing that there's only one of in the world that I can just casually use and break at any time. That would be kind of fun too. Like a really valuable baseball card, and I would use it as a coaster just to tick people off.
3: Like like I was like I was on a uh, an auction last night for uh, Mad Men. Uh, they've done a few of these, but it's another Mad Men auction where they're selling off props from the show and stuff. I mean, it's one of one. You could go nuts with that thing and then just like, you know, break, break the props or use them or like that?
1: I I would buy a very expensive rare painting uh, uh, from like the Renaissance era and immediately paint a mustache on it. (laughs) 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 Like a little Salvador Dali swirly mustache just because I could. Yeah, I came into the money. No one else in the planet would do it and I did it. You know, that's That's what what, I would do. Hey, well, you own it. You're right. I say I'm assuming at this point in my life I would have
3: the ranch and so yeah. I would spend the money on
1: witness inheritance, yeah, uh, magical I already have
3: the ranch. And so okay. I, yeah, I would spend the money on some sort of like very dangerous toys for the ranch, I E the flying boat thing or the motorcycle yeah. that floats and stuff like that. that yeah. Like that, a giant ramp. That's, or that's my love language. Some sort of trout cannon.
0: So you can do <laughs> your, your skeet shooting,
3: a trout cannon for skeet shooting, dude, <laughs> that's brilliant. <laughs> And, and I'm a vegan. <laughs> All right. I see now I assume because we were short handed today, Jesse,
1: that you would come with a twofer.
3: I a can bring another. I got another one. Oh here.
1: you oh you got one cocked <laughs> and loaded. You got one in the hopper, huh? I always do. Um, So a man in New York City is trying to raise awareness about how much uh, uh, trash the average American uses every day because we have a big consumption problem in this country. And he's found an interesting way uh, to raise awareness for it. Now, uh, a quick stat just to show you what he's trying to raise awareness about right now in the United States. 80% of U.S. products are only used once and then thrown away. The country produces 33% of the world's solid waste, yet we're just uh, 4.6% of the global population. In, In other words, we're consumers, and the thing about being consumers is we use a lot of trash. So one guy has wanted to go one month and put every piece of trash that he uses on his body in trash bags. So he's taped trash bags all around his body and everything he eats. So if he eats like a a slice of pizza or like a cheeseburger, the trash goes in the trash bag. Uh, He was initially thinking he could put on 100 pounds of trash in a month, but now it's looking like it's going to be closer to 135 or 150. Uh, And it's like I said, it's going to be possibly a part of a documentary, but it's an absurd amount of trash when you put it all in one place at one time uh, and and he's wearing it as a trash suit. This is impressive, but I feel like I've already shown how much trash people can consume by listening to Nickelback for 30 days. So nice try, dude. <laughs> no, it is an interesting project because it it, it does goes to show how much. Uh, We consume and you hear a lot about these like laws that are trying to be passed um, for people for in different states that you want to forbid using anything but non reusable grocery bags. And, you know, sometimes laws like that get pushback. But when you look at how much. Just junk gets produced on a day-to-day basis. It's really shocking. And that's why I feel like this is kind of an interesting project because it really literally puts on display how much we're all using in our day-to-day life. All right. Well, that'll do it for sizes.
3: Stay tuned. Up next, David Oyelowo joins us.
8: Say life's a box of chocolates. We say who packed it. Do you feel me? What you do is none of my business. But I want you to make me a witness. Wanna witness the greatness? Cause we're best friends through health and sickness. gonna be your best friend. Gonna make that a trend. I'm gonna be your foreign friend all the way to me.
3: Listening to M.I.A. The song is "Foreign Friend," featuring Delta Daps. Uh, Adam Smith is our foreign friend on today's show. Wow. <laughs> right. right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> that means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this week's uh, interview is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or an online store, it's all it's all included with your Squarespace website. Building a site with Squarespace is easy. Uh, They have an intuitive process where you can add and arrange your content and features with the click of a mouse. If you sign up for a year, you'll receive a free custom domain. And uh, they have beautiful templates, best in class, uh, from not just websites, but also online stores uh, with customizable settings, all without a single plugin. They have a special deal for relevant podcast listeners. You can start a free trial today at squarespace.com. And when you enter offer code relevant, uh, when you decide to sign up, uh, if you enter offer code relevant, you'll get ten percent off your first purchase. Squarespace.com.
0: This is this is a service I actually really really need because uh, I actually I bought a domain name that I've been camping on, okay. right? And uh, I I really want to do something with it. I don't know if you're familiar with the character actor Bob Balaban. Uh, but he's one of my faves. He was uh, he was Phoebe's dad on uh, Friends. Uh, he's in uh, ah, yes. a lot of the Christopher Guest movies. Uh, and like, let me know, guess,
1: like a fool, he never purchased his own URL. <laughs> oh, like like
0: a uh, this. I don't blame Bob Balaban because Bob Balaban is a national treasure. Right. Okay. Who I blame is his publicist? Yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> when I did a search on uh, one of those domain sites. Absolutely no one had thought to buy the domain bobbalafans.com. Oh no. Right. <laughs> and, and so of course, you know, I thought like, well this idea so doesn't work. No, time me out. Anything. Time out.
1: That d- leads me to a very interesting question. What the heck is this fan club's website? <laughs> I know. When, uh, how
3: how has this been overlooked? Bob I, I Bob Hyphen Ballaban hyphen fans. <laughs> Dot That's Number their one official. Uh,
0: <laughs> At angel fire. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> but, but
0: so I, I, I bought this thinking, you know, like, obviously, this idea doesn't cost money. It makes money.
2: You
1: know. <laughs> I was going to say, you are so close to this $20,000 scenario happen. In my mind, it's not a matter of if, but when. Yeah. Well, uh, see, and the thing is,
0: I actually got on Twitter and I found Bob Balaban and I offered him the domain for free, Right. Uh, is a gesture of goodwill. I never heard anything back.
1: Oh. Well, <laughs> slap I, in I the hope you get him back up and said the price just went up to twenty five thousand dollars.
0: Yeah, the, well, that's exactly it. I've got overheads. You know, like they 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 don't sing away for free. They jack up the price after a year, and now my domain is about to expire, and they want to charge <laughs> me like seventy bucks for another year for it. Wow. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, like, look, you know, I I've got overheads. Bob Balaban, you got to come through for me. On yeah. this thing, yeah, uh, but it could be the fact that I've never developed the site. So if I if I use this uh, this offer from Squarespace, then yeah. maybe we could we could actually see this thing get up and running.
3: Yeah, I think I'm going to start my Squarespace site. I think I'm going to do a uh, uh, kind of a visual tour of my ranch and all the lands mm. within it. And all the uh, <laughs> adventures you could have, and you and I'll put it like an Airbnb type situation where you can reserve your spot and stuff.
2: Yeah,
1: for for legal reasons, I would recommend not doing that. But uh, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, you, you're you're the one playing with fire. Yeah. Also, if you have this twenty thousand dollars and you haven't spent it on stuff for the ranch, it'd be cool to get some like exotic animals out there just roaming around free. Well, it's Florida, you know? we have those anyway. They just come okay. with the ranch. Yeah. But it'd be cool to get some tigers or something or iguanas. Again, or, this you is know, Florida. I assume exactly. they're already there. You, Yeah,
0: you buy a large enough plot of land and they're just accidentally going to be there.
1: <laughs> you're going to get at least six. Hey, okay, let me do the math here. 200,000 acres in Florida. Yeah, you're looking about six chimps uh, for that. <laughs> they're just going to come with it. So, you know, yeah, I think I, I guess you're squared away there. David
3: O. is a Golden Globe and Emmy Award nominated actor who's garnered international acclaim for his role as Martin Luther King Jr. in the film Selma. In his latest film, Queen of Katwe*, which currently has a 92% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, Oyelowo plays a real missionary who teaches local children in Uganda how to play chess, eventually training one of the world's greatest chess players. We recently talked with Oyelowo about the film and the role his own Christian faith plays in his life and career. Look at this a magazine and podcast covering the intersection of faith and culture. Who, huh. who would have thunk it? <laughs> Here is David Oyelowo.
4: We've talked about this before when you've talked to our magazine, Relevant, um, that you are making or have made a name for yourself for only taking certain kinds of roles. So the only movies we see you in. Have a certain um, redemptive or commentary type quality to them. Obviously, you know, something like Selma, the movie you did uh, based around um, Rick Warren's book, et cetera. How does this movie, Queen of Catway, fit into kind of uh, your catalog or your philosophy of of accepting roles?
7: Well, I mean, you know, for me, I hope that you know when when all is said and done with my career the uh, uh, what will be said is not that I only did films of a of any certain kind um but the truth is that I do gravitate towards films that I personally would want to see uh films that I hope have something to say and are meaningful and so therefore those can um be categorized as um Films that are uh, redemptive, that um, are life affirming, and of course reflect my faith as a Christian, my ethos as a husband and a father. And so, you know, Queen of Cartway, as it pertains to that, I I, I was really drawn <clears throat> to this character that I get to play in the film of Robert Katende, who truly is a self-sacrificing individual which you know as, as it pertains to uh, the Christian faith is o- o- obviously the the central tenet of of what we believe certainly what I believe um, and this this man doesn't just talk about it he actually he does it you know he is a he, he works for a sports ministry out in Uganda and um, you know that there his role he believes his calling is to give these kids hope is to give them self-esteem by giving them love and chess is one of the means by which he does that and uh, you know i find him to be an incredibly inspiring individual in real life so playing him was something i really wanted to do
4: can you make that connection for us between a uh, a christian missionary working in uganda and and then chess i mean what are the what are the lines that maybe maybe the real robert or even in your portrayal of him that you were trying to to make to give um uh, I mean, you know, maybe simpler put, why is he spending his time doing this?
7: He's spending the time doing it because he's doing for others that which he wishes was done for him. Uh, he was an orphan himself. Um, he had incredible talents as a young kid, as a soccer player, um, and he was incredibly bright, but he he didn't have any mentors. He didn't have um, anyone around him to truly help him achieve the fullness of his potential. He he lived with his grandmother after his parents had died and she passed away uh, while he was still young and, uh, you know, Uganda was going through a civil war at the time as well. So, you know, in talking to Robert, he basically um, sacrificed going on to become uh, Uh, what I know would have been a fairly wealthy, affluent engineer. He um, lives in a very modest accommodation with his wife and two kids. They have six other kids um, who he's effectively adopted, who live with them. Um, And, you know, all of those things as it pertains to chess. You know, chess is a fantastic game um, for teaching life lessons, it's kind of a metaphor for life in a sense, you know what your goal is, you need to be patient in achieving it, try and read what your opponents um what your aims are to defeat you and uh, try and think a couple of steps ahead in order to progress. And so, you know, I, I think uh, the, the, the ministering side of it is truly giving these kids love. You know, a lot of them are orphaned themselves. A lot of them have been abandoned by their parents. And what he said to me is, if only one of these kids who I am teaching who are under my care go on to become responsible citizens, go on to be able to uh, give love that I try to give them to someone else, I know that it will build this community. And, you know, I think that, of course, is, uh, is something uh, I, I know God would look down on with, with a lot of joy.
4: Uh, in a similar vein, I want to kind of highlight or, or make an observation and, and kind of get your take on it. So it seems to me that a, a large narrative of films, basically since I was a kid till now, has been that religion or faith is generally a negative thing. So, you know, if, if there's a superhero movie or something, uh, more times than not, some supervillain type person will, will have like a religious component to him. Um, and then lately, though, and, and uh, you know, I'm sure we could throw Selma in. Um, I'm thinking uh, Free State of Jones in particular and then even this film have been highlighting some of the social uh, benefits of religion and even Christianity in particular. Do you think that um, that is Hollywood or the film industry kind of uh, realizing some of the uh, contributions that Christians and Christianity has made to society or do you think it's a broader public thing or what's going on with this with this trend
7: I think it's about perspective. I think it's a question of who's telling the stories. You know, I know for a fact that if I, as a Christian actor, am part of either getting a film made or I'm part of the the the, the telling of a story, I can bring my perspective. I can bring my truth, which is that I live a life built on faith, and the results of that are undeniably positive in my own life. And so therefore, if I'm able to be on a set, if I'm able as a producer to be part of building a story, I'm going to bring my truth to Uh, How that story is told. Someone whose experience of religion or Christianity or faith is different will inevitably impose their own perspective on the story. So I think it's less to do with the fact that Hollywood is waking up to um, the import of faith. I think it, I can almost guarantee that any, in any one of those, uh, uh, films that you're talking about, there will be someone there who is able to defend the validity uh, of why faith can be and and often is a good thing. Now, of course, there are times where faith and Christianity and the church uh, abuses its power, but that's more to do with human beings than it has anything to do with God. Um, and, and so, you know, it's not to write off any Anyone's, anyone's opinion on things but like I say it's about it's about perspective I mean there is a moment in Queen of Katwe where um, you know myself and the kids get into a prayer huddle and pray just before a tournament That that's a scene that wasn't scripted um, but I knew it was something that Robert Katende actually does with his um, chess players before they go into a tournament mm-hmm. and because I share that perspective because I share his faith, I said, "Let's pray." The kids, who all are familiar with prayer and you know uh, are familiar with Robert's faith, um, immediately got into a huddle and and we prayed. And that made the film. I, I know that wouldn't be in the film if I, as a Christian, weren't there. To basically extol the virtues of my perspective and what I know to be true about the positive sides of my faith.
4: Do you see that as a responsibility you have as a Christian actor or do you see it as kind of uh, an organic thing that because, because that's who you are, that's the kind of thing that ends up coming through on film?
7: I think it, it just happens because of who I am. And I think that that's what everyone does. Any filmmaker, you know, they, they say of writers, write what you know, I can almost guarantee that any filmmaker, the films that they are making, are reflective of what they believe or what they are drawn to or what they like. And that's as it should be. You know, we are all varied in our outlooks. And that's why you want as many different people as possible uh, telling stories. You want women telling stories. You want men telling stories. You want young people, older people. You want You know, people of color, you want people uh, from all over the world telling stories so that we can get a greater understanding of humanity. I, I think that's one of the, the greatest cultural impacts of movies is when different kinds of people are telling stories. I think what we've had uh, up until recently is a lot of the same kind of person's perspective uh, is being told in, in, in movies, and that's why it can be said that um, you know Hollywood is doing mostly this or is doing mostly that. Mm-hmm. I think that as the people telling the stories get Varied, we will all be richer for for what for what is there uh, put out.
3: That was David O. Uh Make sure to check out uh, the highly rated film Queen of Cotway. Yeah, it's out now. listening to The Weeknd, the song is False Alarm. The husband and wife singer-songwriters Jonathan David and Melissa Helzer are known for heartfelt worship and intimate songwriting and their work with the collective uh, Cageless Birds. Their latest album, Beautiful Surrender, just released on Bethel Music and explores spiritual themes including grace, God's love, and what it means to surrender. Here is Jonathan David and Melissa Helzer.
4: Tell me real quick what you're doing currently there in North Carolina, I think it is, and then uh, how, how you came to be putting music together.
5: Yeah, so me and Melissa, uh, we've been married uh, 17 years this spring, and um, when we got married, we jumped right into uh, we started a summer camp for uh, creativity and worship, and really for um, high school kids to have an encounter with God's love and their identity. And we ran seven years of that summer camp. The summer camp turned into a heart school, a discipleship, creativity, identity school called the 18-inch journey, which is uh, a lot of times people say 18 inches is the distance from your head to your heart. Mm -hmm. And so we, that, the camp, yeah, seven years of the camp turned into a school. And this is our ninth year leading a school. So we actually have a school in session right now. We have about, um. 70 staff and students from over 12 nations that live kind of in our uh that's our backyard in a sense because we live on the edge of 52 acres of land called a place for the heart and um yeah so we leave that school and uh and we have about 20 staff that work here doing that so all the the music is sort of the If that's the roots of what we do, uh, the music kind of is the place where we get to spread our branches out and get to travel. And the music's kind of, you know, it's fun how it kind of can go around the world in a sense, uh, and we don't have to go. We get to stay rooted here and be able to really pour into this
2: generation.
4: So tell me about this specific album, Beautiful Surrender, which is the title of the album and then the the first track and all that. What is, uh, what's going on there?
5: Yes, yeah, so this album's fun in the sense that it's the first thing we've done. About two years ago, we joined up with Bethel Music, if you're familiar with them. Yeah, so about two years ago, they reached out all the way from the West Coast. They loved what we were doing here. They had, had several friends and musicians that had gone through our school, and they just reached out and are like, hey, we love you guys. We want more of the world to hear your music. Can we help you? So it's been a beautiful relationship. Um, and we did. We haven't moved to California. We're planted here. They're helping us carry the weight of the music and all the stuff that goes with that. Mm-hmm. So this is the first release with Bethel Music, um, in that sense, which is really fun. It definitely is one of the fun backstories on me and Melissa doing music together. Is when we first got married, we had this date one night, and I asked her, "What would you do with your life if, like, let's say we won the lottery? What would you do with your life?" She said, "Oh, you have to go first." I was like, "Okay, um, well, what I would do is like we would we'd live on the hills of Ireland in a little cabin, and we would uh, we we would just like we would have a studio in our house and instruments everywhere, and we just kind of feast on love and music." She's like, "Oh my gosh, that's my version of hell. There's no people. Like I want to be around, I want to be around people." I was like, well, what do you mean people? She's like, well, I want to live in community and I want to do schools and I want to just have people everywhere. We'll do discipleship and pastoring. And so long story short, we kind of are doing both in a sense. But the thing about this album is I don't think we we have never done an album that is pulling the greatness out of each other's hearts in that sense. Um, Whereas like when we first got married, Melissa didn't sing and in a sense I've helped pull that out of her but now I'm pastoring and leading these schools in a way that I never would have if I didn't marry her um, and so like the image cover of the album is me and Melissa standing back to back I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen the image cover
4: yeah I've seen it I've got it in front of me
5: and uh, so we're actually back to back we're we're knee deep in a lake that's on our land here and um, that's where the picture was taken, but to me, so much of that represents like the the 16 year journey we've been on, fighting for each other's hearts, going after going after the Lord, but also like really fighting for each other's hearts and working through the tension of of life and marriage and just the tension of living in this world and all the stuff you walk through. Um, and there really are songs of us becoming who we are, and in that in that has been a surrender.
2: Um it's yeah, it really is song Surrender. Us. I've been saved by the
4: so what does it look like then uh, in your minds for the album to be successful? What uh, you'll feel good about the album if what happens?
8: If people get rocked by the Lord, for sure. If they encounter the love of God in the midst of whatever season they're going through, I mean, when the when the testimonies start coming in of people's hearts getting set free and feeling a tidal wave of the affection of God hitting them. think we've already heard some and that's what that's the reward of all of it is connection with the Lord so we're not really you know we have a pretty rooted established life that in rhythms of life that we're doing so um, I think you have to in this realm really constantly check your heart on what success is and for us success absolutely is that we would give our music that we've you know, forged in the seasons of our life to the world to hear and that they would encounter the same goodness of God that we encountered when we wrote it.
5: Yeah, we have a saying in our community that uh, the measuring stick for success is how much love is produced. Mm -hmm. And it can be really easy, you know, now to just instantly jump on, you know, how many likes or how many Where's it at on the iTunes charts and where's all that stuff, which some of that stuff, yes, is important. But I think for us, we're like just constantly pressing our face before the Lord. And for me, the reward is if I hear someone say like, wow, I listened to the new album and I had this encounter with the Lord, or I saw this part of God's face I've never seen before. I was able to, for me, recording an album is like building an altar. It's this, like the song, the songs are like the stones of, of my journey that I'm piling up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I build the altar to remember what God's done in my life, but an altar is also built so other people can come and worship there. You know, Jacob laid the stone so his, his sons and his grandsons and the next generations would come and, and they would encounter God at the same place he did. So my dream is that, cause I've encountered God in these songs, even when I listen to the album now, I'm like, my heart's filled with the memory of, Ah, uh, not just recording an album, but like pouring these songs out, like oil on the Lord's feet. And so, it, when other people encounter God through the songs, that's like the greatest. And if it, if a million people do, or you know, a couple thousand do, whatever, uh, that that's success for us. Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I know. You know. I mean, I think. um there's always seems to be this tension with people in the worship space and you know, it's a healthy tension, right? But you know, you obviously want people to engage your work or you wouldn't do it, you know, in a certain sense. Um, but then, you know, there's also, there's always that pull to having that go to, to the farther, farther extremes of, yeah. I mean, kind of like you're saying, yeah. you start chasing charts and then you want to know where you hit on billboard. And then, you know, is that Grammy nomination coming? And, and some of those things aren't even bad necessarily in of themselves. And so I know, you know, most of the people I talk to kind of wrestle with those same tensions back and forth. Um which yeah, yeah. which is kind of part of the reason like we, talk asking about it.
8: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think too we've just like we're in our you know, we're in our late thirties, so and I think we've just given a lot of our life to being really rooted and grounded and asking the lord to do extravagant things i mean even what the lord's done with no longer slaves the testimonies that we get in every week of people are getting set free from fear and panic and anxiety and i play this song every day and it gets me through seasons of depression and you know i mean that's that's the stuff i think as you get older you just when you're rooted in who you are and you realize that the applause of the father is actually more important than the applause of men
7: then you can actually get
8: rooted and grounded and then enjoy all those other things that come, you know, because they're not actually the concrete of your core identity. is not wrapped up in that. So I'm, I'm really thankful. I'm, I'm thankful for the season that we joined up with Bethel within our, you know, our mid-30s because we just, you know, lived a lot more life and and really enjoyed it, actually, you know. There's a one of my favorite songs on the album is Catch the Wind, and I... I wrote it in a season where I was in a lot of physical pain Mm. and I woke up one morning and the Lord, I felt the Lord say to me, Melissa, I want you to sing your way out of this. And I was just like, I don't want to do that. I just want you to take it away, you know? And I ended up just blow drying my hair, getting ready. And I just ended up singing at the top of my lungs, I am strong and full of life. I am steadfast, no compromise. I lift my sails to the sky and then I catch the wind. And immediately all the heaviness and the pain lifted off my body. Mm. And it was profound and I, I just kept singing it over and over and then it was I think like six to eight months later, maybe more, that we actually I showed that just that little voice clip to Jonathan. It's like I think I maybe should write this song like, babe, you have to write that song and mm. and even now like finishing it my like, my dream is that people that all of us wake up, you know, whether every day or at least, you know, a good amount of our life. And we just don't feel like we have the strength to make it through. And, you know, those are the moments where I'm like, my is that people would take this same, you know, sword that the Lord gave me to fight off heaviness and depression and pain, like that, that now I could give and we've crafted it in a way that many people can just put it on, you know, when they're feeling like they can't get through their day. So I just think that's some of the fruit I'm the most excited about is giving people language and taking our little daily victories and offering them to the world to make it their own victories.
3: That was Jonathan David and Melissa Helser. Stay tuned. Up next, Feedback.
8: I don't usually eat
3: overdose. you a kid that I had to take. Now
6: the fix I wait. Now Hello relevant podcast my listener, my name is Oliver Crisp. If you're interested in more resources to cultivate a deeply formed spiritual life, visit Fuller Studio. This free website houses podcasts, videos, stories, and other resources on such topics as reconciling race, Muslim-Christian dialogue, and psychology and faith, with such features as an exclusive film of Bono and Eugene Peterson discussing the Psalms, all available for you to use freely for any purpose. Explore now at fuller.edu/studio. That's fuller.edu/studio.
3: You're listening to Aluna George. The I song is not about love. Um, is that one L- person? Yeah, L- L- no, it's not L- a chick named Aluna George. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, a guy and a girl, Aluna and George. Yeah, yeah. who would have thunk it? <laughs> okay, it's time for your feedback. Um, okay, so last week on the show, I wasn't here, so I had nothing to do with this question. Yeah, uh, the question for you guys that uh, you answered: What are the weirdest or funniest Hot Mic incidents you've experienced? You guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You also hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Here's a few of our favorites.
1: <laughs> okay, so uh, this one is from Twitter, uh, from Roscoe Jones, which sounds like a sweet action movie I would totally watch. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, it sounds to me, it sounds like a motorcycle repair shop. that I Roscoe I would,
3: Jones? Roscoe Jones Autobody. I, I yeah. would. I would. Uh, I trust <laughs> will that guy. They do, will they do an amphibious retrofit on your
0: motorcycle? <laughs> that's all they do. That's His what they specialize in. Well. Adam,
1: they're
3: based in Florida. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. He, he, again, that's why he opened up. The, the The shop hasn't had a customer yet, so he's in a little. Roscoe's in some fighting. Roscoe Rus- tr- tr- Jones <laughs> Amphibious <laughs> Auto Body. That's what it's called. <laughs> he, he should not have bought that fifty thousand square foot warehouse. Uh, it's just well, you know the demand's not there yet. Get,
0: I, I like to think that the way that this thing was invented you know was this guy careening off into the into the water on his motorcycle that it wasn't invented by him right the, the guy who had the motorcycle accident because he didn't even survive it. No. He just, as That's he, terrible. as he plunged into the water, just screamed the words motorcycle
3: jet ski. And, <laughs> and, and that legally served as his last will and testament. And and, and Roscoe Jones was there sunbathing on the edge he of that lake. And with yeah. And I heard it and said, that that that's genius. I'm gonna go. I got a warehouse. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Roscoe Jones it's Amphibious it. Auto Body is launched. He went
1: to yes. Squarespace.com. I have
3: to find a way to. Honor this man's memory.
1: Listen, I just got tw- I just got a $20,000 inheritance. I got the warehouse. It's time to get this business off the ground here. I think, I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer. But I think if, from the way I understand the law, which yeah. is pretty well, yeah. is that if you hear someone yelling out an invention idea in the moments before they die, you have a legal <laughs> obligation to make that invention. That's how it works, right? It's, it's, at the very least, that's common law. <laughs> that's what's been passed down to us yeah i gotcha all right so we ask uh your favorite op- oh this is the reason why i'm talking about roscoe jones uh, not just you guys seriously if you have amphibious work that motorcycle amphibious work that needs to get done make the trip he's in a lot of he's in some debt he's he's made a, a very bad investment and uh you know even all, if it's just getting the, the pot the the polished or whatever
0: whatever was on- honor the memory of a brave motorcycle rider. That's all I want. Is that, is that too much to ask from you heartless people?
1: This is this is a deep cut callback. I think it was one of the world's tallest twins before he went plunging into my ass. <laughs> no, tallest, fattest. Yeah, the, the largest fattest. twins. Yeah. yeah, that's who. That's who this is for.
2: Um, okay, so you know, Roscoe Jones. I'm not, said, that,
1: <laughs> I'm not saying that I'm a you know a, a
0: physics expert, but I have to think this Grand Canyon jump is just ill-advised at best. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so Roscoe Jones, this isn't really a hot mic, but it's uh, something said on mic. He had an executive pastor tell uh, that, that it was giving instructions about how this new fangled way that people could tithe to the church he instructed the church to sex to give Oh, oh
3: <laughs> well there you
1: go yeah it's like well uh, okay I mean the pastor said it <laughs>
3: Just keeping current this, with the kids today Yeah, yeah.
1: This seems uh, a little unconventional but I, you know I want to I get up with the time <laughs> so sex to give
3: <laughs> Oh
0: man I'll tell you a lot of these are in church Yeah, um, yeah. Well. Ky- Kyle Atwell says um, uh, he, he has two stories one of them he talks about he says uh, says pastor's preaching during a night service and the wireless mic receiver picked up a frequency from a wireless mic from a couple doing karaoke in one of the houses right next to the church.
1: Can <laughs> <laughs> you imagine if you were that couple and you found out that you had that power to interrupt the <laughs> sermon whenever you wanted with your oh karaoke? <laughs> <laughs> I like that.
3: I like that your brain goes to the, that this is a power that they now have. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, it definitely, it definitely is. They have a, a congregation that they can interrupt at any time and instruct them to do things like sex to give.
0: <laughs> okay. If you, what, which five songs would you pick to do as karaoke songs if you knew that every time you did it, you would interrupt a sermon? Well,
1: the, 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 I, I bought. I,
0: I Question, bought a. Who's
3: doing karaoke Sunday mornings at eleven? That's the other thing. <laughs>
0: Maybe it was a night service. Oh, In okay. fact, he actually says it is a night service. Oh, okay. He he went okay. out of his way to mention
1: that. Well, I, it would be an issue for me picking those songs because I bought a Hall and Oats branded karaoke machine, and it can only play Hall and Oats songs. That's all it has. That's all. Well, it, it has. But it was I,
3: really it was it's a handy karaoke machine because it comes on a on a hand truck and it has a large area where you can actually <laughs> fill it with oats and haul your oats with and the machine. The <laughs> yeah,
1: I bought it at the I, new vape shop at the mall for some reason I had it.
0: Well, to me, it's like, like if you can only pick five, it's Tom Sawyer by Rush, Tom Sawyer by Rush, Tom Sawyer by Rush, Tom Sawyer by Rush, Tom Sawyer by Rush and Tom Sawyer by Rush.
1: <laughs> I, I just like the fact that uh, every time the song ends, right, every time song Tom Sawyer by Rush ends, right, and everyone and the and the, and the pastor kind of looks out of the corner of his eyes, like, okay, thanks for bear with me here, guys. Like you know, we're the sir. Okay, we can focus now. Then you just hear again, in that synth intro. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and and you know that you're waiting <laughs> like seven and a half minutes before he can try again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the pastor just stares at the audience for the entirety of Tom Sawyer by Rush.
3: <laughs> at one point you just turn down the the PA system in the church and just like kind of corded mic? You you go well oh no you just go down you know you go down in front of the stage and you, oh, you right. bring a you bring a lectern and a and a yeah. bar stool with you and, you, and yeah. you get real you get
1: acoustic I, I, yeah yeah. I, th- I think two times through Tom Sawyer by Russia. Yeah.
3: <laughs> but
0: I'm, I'm here to wrap
1: this <laughs> yeah <laughs> Riley said there was an incident and I want to know what was happening um uh, I, I guess this was... Oh, this wasn't at church. This was at some sort of stage production where there was like a fight going on and he Ooh. was in the fight. Oh, and man. it was like a stage fight. But the the person he was, you know, pretend fighting or acting fighting or whatever uh, these thespians call it, <laughs> accidentally punched him right in the mouth. And it cut it cut him all the way through to his tooth, and he wow. and he yelled, and he didn't realize that you know he had he was wired up on a mic. I'm bleeding, which was not part of the script, uh, uh, so oh, it geez. caused a little additional drama to their play they were performing.
0: Tim Timothy Allen Reader, uh, he says, uh, that he was at a church where the pastor was an an, an older gent, uh, and uh, during a sermon he started. Not looking so so well, and all of a sudden just stopped in the midst of his sermon and walks off stage. And so, of course, you know, given his age and everything, the whole congregation is, is a bit concerned. His wife goes backstage to, to check on him and she asked if he was okay. And uh, his mic was still live, and he uh, he told her that he had to go to the bathroom uh, over the, the hot mic. So, ah. yeah, so.
1: That's that's a lesson you only learn once. This pastor was about to officiate a wedding, and it was that very like somber, quiet time before. I, you know, I'm picturing like the violins playing where everyone's seated. He not realizing his mic was on, blew his nose a bunch of times, uh, and it just played <laughs> over the church while everyone's being seated before the wedding. So, you know, if you want to check, make sure that button's not on.
0: <laughs> I, I like the way Matt Dudley thinks as well. He he talks about how his uh, his pastor is preaching one Sunday. And uh, at the exact moment that he paused uh, while preaching, there's a frequency crossover from the children's ministry, and uh, uh, the mysterious voice of a child praying for the kids' church offering came over the sound system. And he says, my pastor, like a pro, played it off as incredibly sweet, uh, but I knew better. It was clearly the sort of thing they make horror films about. (laughs) And you're right, like a a creepy disembodied child's voice is always terrifying.
3: Now we lay me down to sleep. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Singing the one, two, Freddy's coming for you song.
1: I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And then it goes in, and then right then Tom Sawyer by Rush starts playing. (laughs) Not again. <laughs> <laughs> Not again! It's haunting the church. Tom's wearing yeah. my <laughs> So you're saying that the church is somehow haunted by the band Rush, all of whom members are still alive. Yeah,
3: exactly. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that'll do for your feedback. There's more if you want to join in on last week's episode page. It's time for this week's...
4: Editorial question of the
3: week. Hey. All right. Well, I mean, it's kind of obvious. But what would you do if you had just a free and clear $20,000 dollars? you couldn't spend on anything practical? Uh, you had to spend it on some sort of crazy dream. Um, it was an eccentric billionaire who gave you these conditions. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. you came upon these twenty thousand dollars. You had to. You had to just. What would you get? What would you get? Yeah. That's what it's we It's like want a
0: to know. Brewster's Millions type situation.
3: Yeah.
1: I, how much do you think yeah. it would cost for like David Copperfield to 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 give you give you one of his sweetest tricks? Because oh. I feel like this you, you to like teach
0: you how to make the Statue of Liberty disappear.
1: <laughs> I think more than I think that's more than twenty k. I think. I, well, what, what but, about one where you know you you make a motorcycle disappear or something? I feel like that because that's the ultimate party trick for the rest of your life. If you, it probably is going to cost more than twenty grand, but if he would be willing to negotiate, I think that'd be worth it.
0: I I, I just like to think of the idea that he teaches you something like you know making the Statue of Liberty disappear because that's like. <laughs> You know, if you're at a party and someone's doing card tricks, you could just be like, Hey, yeah, nice card trick. Come outside for a second, guys.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So you have to restructure your life to live near the Statue of Liberty so that at (laughs) any party you can make it disappear at any time. I you know, it's 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 a lot of life change, but I think like it's worth it. Especially for twenty thousand dollars.
3: All right. So hit us up on Twitter at Relevant Podcast, or you can post your replies of how you would spend your twenty thousand uh, dollars. And you can't say anything socially responsible or you know no, helping no. people in need or anything like that. Yeah, well, can I rule. just
0: say that I desperately, desperately hope at least one of you says investing seed money in BobBallifans.com because <laughs> I really. <laughs> you
1: know, the, 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 the site map, Adam shared with me the site map he's drawn up. Um, Uh, It it was uh, uh, about 17 gigs of information. Um, It's going to cost at least twenty thousand dollars to get this site off the ground. He's got some really. I'm not even sure technology is capable of some of the things he wants to do. There's a virtual
3: reality section that it's just it's unprecedented.
1: Yeah, he yeah, exactly. It comes you know, each visitor gets their own VR headset to get the full website experience.
3: <laughs> yeah, so so
0: someone's gonna someone's gonna have to invest in a server farm.
3: All right, so hit us up on the podcast episode page at com or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, many thanks to David O'Yellowo for joining us. Uh, make sure to check out his new film, Queen of Cotway, which is out now, out today, actually. And, uh, and thanks also to Jonathan David and Melissa Helser. Their, uh, their new album, Beautiful Surrender, is also out now. Uh, thanks to the show sponsors for making this week possible. Remember, you can go to audible.com, get a free 30 day trial by signing up at audible.com slash relevant and you can get a free download on your 30 day trial. Uh, and also to Squarespace, you can start your free trial today at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, enter offer code relevant and get 10% off your first purchase. Hey, if you like the show, head over to iTunes and leave a review. It actually helps yeah. us, helps the visibility, helps the rankings, and uh, it means a lot. We like the feedback. And also, get the magazine there might be a really good issue coming up in the next few weeks that you're going to not want to miss. Uh, go to relevantmagazine.com right now and um, you can subscribe. It's only a buck a month and also um, check out the iPad and tablet editions in the app stores. If it, I think you'll like it.
0: If you're uh, if you're a fan of James A.
3: Garfield, you are in for a treat. <laughs> <laughs> and if you hate Mondays or love lasagna, you'll really resonate with this next issue. Also,
1: if you're if, tell your fellow Gallagher fans that uh, the Expose you've been waiting for is about to hit and uh, carve out a good four and a half hours to dig into this 100,000 word manifesto. T- things take a pretty dark turn about 7,000 words in, but hang with me. Uh, it, gets, it gets dark. Um, was it around 7,000 words in, is that where he discovers the
3: allergy? Like it was a tragic accident and then he yeah. discovered through happenstance that he was in fact allergic to watermelon he just never knew it before
1: I, I wrapped that whole thought at about 10,000 words and the the, the, the final 90,000 are a pretty intense political rant that uh, <laughs> I'm not totally comfortable <laughs> publishing but uh, I agreed so it is what it is he's got I'll say this he's got some pretty radical ideas that I'm not uh, I'm not Indeed a darkly scatological command of profanity. <laughs> I, can I be honest? Can I, the, the final 15,000, I don't even know what language they're in. Uh, he, he, he gave me a, a, a transcription, demanded, he held a large mallet over my head and demanded that these be published verbatim as a transcript. <laughs> a so, so I said, deal, deal's a deal. I've seen what that guy Jesse, can do to a man. I, I assume all good, cop, all good profiles, you know,
3: the writer spends time with, with the subject yeah. Uh, I've always wondered this about Gallagher. Maybe you can shed some light. Does he always carry a mallet with him at all times in just everyday life?
1: Well, you know, this in this scenario, yes, because when you some say uh, spend time with some would say this was a forcible abduction uh, that Gallagher uh, was holding me captive to do this story. But yes, he had the mallet the whole time.
3: (laughs) 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 All right, on that note, we'll wrap it up. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Chandler Strang. I'm Adam Smith.
1: I'm Jesse Carey. We'll see you next week.
0: Podcast. Connect with us on Twitter, at Relevant Podcast, and get bonus material from this episode and more at the podcast section on RelevantMagazine.com. And don't forget to check the magazine out. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes App Store, or you can subscribe online at RelevantMagazine.com slash subscribe.
1: It would be a great icebreaker. I don't know how much they're charging for this thing, but if you get your hands on Hezekiah's toilet...